what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. What do you think, Brother James? What, what, what do you think about teachers having guns in the classroom? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think if we arm our teachers with the Word of God and the cross of Christ, it'll solve a lot of the problems that's going on in the classroom. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles, would you turn with me please to the book of 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, we're going to be dealing with verse 25 today, 2 Samuel 24 verse 25, and David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, so the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. And I just want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning, preaching a few minutes. And the plague was stayed. There is a plague that threatens to take out every single human being. And there's only one answer for it. And we might get around to dealing with that today. The plague was stayed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning for every person that's under the sound of my voice right now. Every person here, every person by radio, the internet, uh, CD, however they may be receiving this word today. And Lord, I know that out there there's a lot of needs. And Lord, you have the answer to those needs. But Lord, this morning I only have words. And I ask, O oh Lord, that you will anoint me today to say that which you would have said Lord, that you will anoint me today to rightly divide the word of truth, anoint your people to hear and to receive of this word. Lord, that we all might be drawn closer to you is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. If I were to ask this morning, what was the greatest sin that David ever committed? Most would immediately think of the sin of adultery with Bathsheba and then the murder of her husband Uriah. And although that was a terrible thing that took place, and it is a bad sin for one to be involved in, that was not the worst sin that David committed. David, he suffered a fourfold judgment of God because of these things. The child that was born to Bathsheba died shortly after it was born. His son Amnon took advantage of his half-sister Tamar. And another one of David's sons, Absalom, 
killed Amnon because of this. And then later on, Absalom would rebel against his father to try to take the throne of Israel. Then he died in the process. And then the fourth judgment that came upon David because of this thing had to do when David was on his deathbed and he gave the throne over to his son Solomon. And David knew that when he did this thing that his other son Adonijah would try to take the throne away from Solomon. And he too would die in the process. And like I said, although David suffered greatly because of these two sins in his life, adultery and murder, those were not the worst sins that David ever committed. This right here of David numbering Israel was David's greatest sin because it cost the lives of some 70,000 men of Israel. You think of that. That's one and a half Vietnams. 70,000 people died because of David's sin. And one would have to ask the question this morning, why? Why would God punish an entire nation because of one man's sin? Why? I wish I could give you the answers to all of that. But this much I do know. God is the righteous judge of all the earth. And whatever He does, it's right. It's not right because He does it. God is holy. He is righteous, which means everything He does is righteous and holy. Every decision that God makes, He makes it with all knowledge. He knows everything, past, present, future. And He does not come to a decision lightly, but He knows everything. But you and I are very limited in our knowledge as it pertains to things that are going on. And we're left many times with questions. Why? Why? We don't know everything, but God does. And He does what He does based off a full knowledge of everything that's going on, both past, present, and future. But here's what we do know about Israel. First of all, Israel did not accept David's repentance. When David committed this horrible sin with Bathsheba and in the murder of her husband Uriah, Israel would not forgive David because of that thing. And let me tell you this, when God forgives, we had better forgive. They thought, David, because of this thing, it doesn't matter that he's repented. David has committed this sin. He's unfit to be the king. And they rebelled against authority. 
and they set themselves against God's anointed. They sided with Absalom in his rebellion. And when Absalom died, and there was no one else to take the throne, they did the right thing. They put David back on the throne. But there was no repentance for what they had done. And God gave them five years to repent, but Israel would not repent. There's also evidence that at this particular time, Israel had already gone into apostasy. They were going into idol worship, which means sacrifices going up before God were not being done as they should have been. And some Bible scholars think that pride had become an issue. Israel at this particular point in time was one of the most prosperous nations on the face of the earth. All of her enemies was defeated. The boundaries of Israel had been pushed to the furthest extent to what God promised Abraham. Was pride an issue? Let me tell you something. God cannot stand pride. It reminds him of what Lucifer did in the very beginning. Dana, if you will, pull those scriptures up on the screen. Ezekiel 28, 17. The Bible says, as it pertains to Lucifer, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 14. The Bible says, I will ascend into heaven. This speaks of Lucifer. We know him today as Satan. But I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's pride. That's pride. And God cannot stand pride. He couldn't stand it in His highest creation, Lucifer. He cannot stand it in the wicked. He cannot stand it in a child of God either. Pride. Dana, pull this up on the screen as well. Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hateth. Six things. Seven are an abomination unto him. Verse 17, a proud look. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Oh, good grace and mercy, let me deal with this right here for just a minute. Because 
that, that, that there's some of you under the sound of my voice right now. You point your finger to the one that is a homosexual and you call that an abomination, but yet you're constantly stirring up a bunch of junk in the church. That's sowing discord among the brethren and it is an abomination unto God and it is just as bad as the sin of homosexuality. Don't look at somebody else because of their sin. Just because your sin is a little different. There's not a person under the sound of my voice today that's perfect. But you need to look at what God has said here in His Word. These are things that are an abomination to God. What, What was pride an issue... Did David step out on the roof of his house and look over this great nation at how powerful it was and wonder just how powerful is this nation? How can I know? If I number the people, then I'll know just how powerful we are. Is that what happened? I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. But there was something in the heart of David. He wanted the numbers. Bring me the numbers, Joab. And there's nothing wrong with taking a census. But there was a way that God wanted it done. And in the first chapter of Numbers, we see where the priest and those in spiritual leadership were to take the census. In the 30th chapter of the book of Exodus, we see where when the census was taken, every, every man that was over 20 years of age was to give a half shekel of silver for atonement for his soul. It all had to do with God's redemption plan. David wanted the numbers, but he ignored God's redemption plan. That was the great sin of David. It is the great sin of the church today. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It is the great sin of the church today because we want the numbers. But if we preach the cross... And that will offend people. What do you mean if we preach the cross? You could turn over on the television set, radio, and you might hear where Jesus died for me. And that's probably one of the greatest statements that anyone could ever make. But the problem is, sin is ignored. Sin is not addressed. When you start talking about sin, that's when it offends people. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. But are you applying it to the sin in your life? Are you trusting in the finished work of Christ to change you and make you into what you ought to be? Or are you just giving a mental assent to a historical fact? People today, they have a form of godliness because they believe in a historical Jesus. 
But they're denying the power thereof. They're denying the power of the cross to change them and make them into what they ought to be. Because they are given the solution, but they're not told how to apply it. My friend, this morning you can take some preparation H and you can eat it, but it's not going to solve your problem. It has to be applied in the right way. Are you hearing me? And the cross of Christ is not for you to become prosperous, although there's prosperity in the cross. Everything we need is in the cross, but it's being applied to any and everything in the world today other than sin. The priest taking that half shekel of silver when the census was taken, it signified that Israel's strength was not in her military, but her strength was in the shed blood of the Lamb of God. I woke up one morning this week And there it is again all over the news. Another school shooting. That's all we've heard this week. They've talked about everything from gun control to mental illness. Let me, let me just stop right there for just a minute. Mental illness. We want to screen people who buy guns for mental illness. That, that sounds good, but here's the problem. They've not identified what a mental illness is. What do you mean, Brother James? Twenty years ago, homosexuality was considered a mental illness. By psychologists. Today, now, it's just an accepted lifestyle. They're born that way. But 20 years ago, it was a mental illness. Mike Pence was considered to have a mental illness because he prayed to God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We need to identify what a mental illness is. Which hasn't been done yet. The other thing I heard them talking about this week was teachers having guns in the classroom. That can, that could solve some problems. I can see where it can also create some problems too. Well, what do you think, Brother James? What, what do you think about teachers having guns in the classroom? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think if we arm our teachers with the Word of God and the cross of Christ, it'll solve a lot of the problems that's going on in the classroom. That's what I think. But America's in trouble today. We're in trouble today. And let me tell you, the answer is not in the donkey. The answer is not in the elephant or any other political party, but the answer to America's problem today is in the shed blood of the Lamb of Almighty God. That's it. There is no other answer. Put the Ten Commandments back in the classroom. Thou shalt not kill. What's wrong with that? And if you do, you will stand before God and give an account. But David, he wanted those numbers. 
nine months and 20 days later, here comes Joab with the numbers and lays them on David's desk. And the Bible says his heart smote him. 2 Samuel 24 verse 10. That right there is called conviction. If you're not ever convicted over anything as a child of God, chances are you ain't saved. And David felt conviction after this thing. Now here's the question we just touched on it a little bit last week. Why did it take the Holy Spirit nine months and 20 days to deal with David concerning this thing? Why, during that nine-month period of time, didn't the Holy Spirit deal with David's heart and say, what you're doing is wrong? That would have saved the lives of some 70,000 men of Israel had David just said, Joab, stop, I've done wrong, just, just stop, I don't care what the numbers are. Why nine months and 20 days? Again, I don't have all the answers. But this much I do know right here. The Holy Spirit works within the confines of the finished work of Christ. And your faith in what He did in that exclusively. Romans 8 and 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's how the Holy Spirit works by your faith being in Christ in what he did at Calvary. When you have made plans to sin, your faith is in your plans, that your plans will succeed. And the Holy Spirit will not work outside of the confines of the finished work of Christ. And when you're in the process of carrying out your plans to sin, the flesh is so loud in working out those plans, you can't hear what the Spirit of God is saying. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And then sometimes we're just so headstrong, we're going to do what we want to do. We don't want to hear what the Spirit is saying. And we know what we're doing is wrong. Dana was sitting down at the table with someone here some time ago. And they were just talking about some things, and then it got over into biblical-type things. And the girl sitting there, Dana hadn't even said anything, but the girl sitting there said, well, I'm staying with the young man, but I don't see anything wrong with it, and we're not married. Well, why did she even bring it up? I don't see anything wrong with Sir, you can look at that young lady and you can say I can go and have an affair with her because everybody's doing it today and it's okay. I'm here to tell you today it is not okay. It is sin because this book says it is sin. And whether you feel like it's right or not doesn't matter. It's what this book says. Nine months, 20 days later, here comes Gad. Three things, David. Let's look at it. Second Samuel 24, verse 12. I want you to look at what Gad said now. Thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. 
Choose the one. Seven years of famine. Flee in three months from your enemies or three days of pestilence in the land. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that doesn't sound very encouraging to me. That's not very uplifting. It's not a very positive message. You see, we're being told now in our church growth efforts of the denomination, the preacher's not supposed to get loud when he's preaching. You're not supposed to correct anybody, Brother James. We're supposed to preach a message that's positive, and we're supposed to make everybody feel good when they leave. Well, Dad didn't know that. He just come in and shelled it down. Thus saith the Lord. Three things choose one of them. And David said, oh me, I'm in a great strait. If you're going to a church and you leave out of there Sunday after Sunday and you're so happy you could bust, there's a problem with the preacher in that church. Oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying because every message that comes from behind the pulpit, or in my case in front of it, it's not always going to make you feel good. If I don't step on your toes, I'm not doing my job. There's some of you under the sound of my voice today, you're in a great strait. There's a plague that's threatening to destroy you. And let me tell you, I'm not done with this message, but there's only one thing that can stop it, and that is your faith in the finished work of Christ, the cross of Christ. Come on back next week, and I'll tell you the rest of the story. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. (music) 